listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hello everyone, welcome to another new episode of ESL Talk. We are approaching fast the end of our season, but it's been a really successful season so far. We keep growing, we keep getting more and more listeners, more and more great feedback, and more and more applications for guests. So thank you all for your fantastic support this season. In today's episode, we're going to be looking at the topic of ESL coaching for healthcare professionals. And we're going to hear from our guest, Shweta Ramkumar. She actually works as a teacher and an educator working and coaching uh, healthcare professionals so that she can enable them to be more effective in their job, help more patients, and actually have better outcomes for those um, patients as well as those healthcare professionals. Um, again, we're going to go into quite a few different areas um, as it's quite an extensive and interesting interview. I really learned a lot from it. Um, and she'll also go into specific skills that she manages, um, different teaching methods, and the ways that she can help different clients, not just healthcare professionals as well. Some great news for the podcast as well. We were recently selected to be featured in Acast and Amazon Music's um, podcast amplifier. So, um, you know, it's really great that we've been recognized by our hosts and our partners. You probably hear the ads every single time you tune in. Uh, but Acast have selected us for this um, feature, which is fantastic. So it's great promotion and a great way to help us grow. So thank you for your support in helping us to achieve that milestone. And hopefully, you know, the only way is up from here. Also, don't forget our sponsors, esl-curriculum.com, that is Crystal Clear ESL, now offering over 750 ready-to-teach, off-the-shelf, interactive materials and resources for you as an online teacher, whether you teach business English, whether you teach kids, whether you teach IELTS, writing, speaking, it is all there for you. There's also an, uh, a games package as well now, and there's also a free um, membership that you can take advantage of to start out, and then very low membership fees after that. I think it's as low as a few dollars a month, so definitely give that a try if you haven't yet. Um, it will save you a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a lot of planning and prep, and you have great materials to work with as well. On our side, again, if you haven't visited the website yet, do go to the website esl-talk.com. There you can listen to all our previous episodes entirely for free. You can also click the link at the top, which says be a guest if you'd like to be a guest on an upcoming episode. We're always on the lookout for um, educators, teachers, and um, people with an extensive background in English 
and education because we do want to be able to feature you know your passions your interests what really motivates you um, as a teacher uh, and also as a learner as well we do also um, welcome learners as well it's always great to get those perspectives and we've had some amazing guests um, throughout the the episodes um, so please do feel free to apply if it's something you'd like to do um, and before we get into the interview as well just don't forget to give us a follow on instagram if you haven't yet we're up above almost four and a half thousand now which is incredible and again if you um haven't subscribed yet to our podcast please do it really helps us grow and build and keep being able to deliver you content every week Um, so just hit subscribe on spotify on apple Podcasts, whatever it is you listen to so you'll get updated as soon as a new episode is available let's go into today's interview with shweta where we're going to be talking healthcare and how she helps coach healthcare professionals here we go I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. All right, let's get started. Hello, Shweta. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Daniel. It is a real privilege and honor, and I look forward to sharing my journey as an English language teacher and what I've now moved into doing, which is in the communication and coaching space. Yes, this is very exciting, and thank you for um, thank you for your kind words. And this is a great topic. Um, you know, I think you know healthcare and and you know even mental health and things like that and, and helping that industry, it is very related to ESL coaching in a lot of ways and ESL teaching. So um, could we maybe start, first of all, you know, about your journey, you know, initially you were in ESL teaching and you've kind of, you know, moved and transitioned slightly. So what was that journey like and kind of what was mm-hmm. your story in terms of that journey? 
Sure. So I've been an educator, like on and off, like, uh, you know, unofficially, unofficially all my life. So uh, it only made sense that I got my teacher's qualification and right. started to first teach uh, science and biology in schools. Uh, then the travel bug hit me and I was like, I really want to now explore. And I have done, you know, standard high, high school teaching and everything in parts of uh, not just Australia where I live currently, but also in the UK. And then uh, I was like, yeah, the best way to see the world and I think experience uh, more cultures in the world is by actually teaching English as a second language. Mm -hmm. So I, my journey actually started when I was in Thailand. So I got my certification from there. Uh, started to teach in Thailand for about six to eight months, spent a bit of time in Vietnam doing the same, and then uh, started to sort of move online. And, uh, you know, I've taught students from like all corners of the world, be it Russia, uh, Central America, Europe, uh, Asian countries. And uh, slowly but surely, I felt that I should specialize into something that really marries the best of both worlds. So obviously, talking about science is can be quite dry and boring and b mixing that up with ESL language uh, the link is not very visible but I felt that okay since I uh, you know I have worked in healthcare from time to time before and also my mom being a physician uh, she uh, I was exposed a lot to the healthcare space from a very young age and I felt that okay so this could be a possible way in which I can specialize so uh, also because of the different countries that I have lived in and I have had the experience of being in healthcare settings in those places. And I saw quite a lot of gaps and uh, challenges and issues. And I was like, yeah, this is a good way to actually blend both the worlds together that not only am I good at, but also quite mm -hmm. passionate about and also whether right. there's a need for it. So that's where it all sort of uh, came into existence. That's really interesting actually to go through that journey. And again, I think all of those different experiences probably helped you identify some of the things that were missing between the two different um, sectors and kind of, mm -hmm. you know, how did, how did you first start to reveal, okay, people in the healthcare profession need this or people in the healthcare profession might benefit from this kind of, how did you identify and fill that gap? Yeah. Yeah. So my experience of working uh, in healthcare revealed a lot of the things to me in the sense that now we have a much more diverse patient base that we, than what we did about 30, 40 years ago. So pretty much back in the day, everything used to be quite homogenous. So if you say went to some other part of the world, whether it's English speaking or not, more or less the patients and the, the healthcare professionals will be from the same cultural background. But now that's really not the case. And in particular, where I live in Australia, uh, it's not just who are patients who are non-white, but predominantly most of the healthcare professionals are also from all different backgrounds. And I think uh, that is a good thing that there is that variety, but also that leads to a lot of communication gaps. And what I have experienced, researched, gone through myself, witnessed is that uh, when a healthcare professional is not able to really connect with the patient on you know, a, a significant level. Now, I am aware that it's a very high stress job for them. They don't have a lot of time to be able to do that. And you don't get a second chance to make a good first impression. Uh, they're in a mad rush to get everything done and do the admin work and paperwork and everything like that. So they miss those little subtle nuances. And sometimes I feel like they also just do everything by the book, like just to tick a box. And I'm, I don't entirely blame them. It's just they have, they have to do what they have to do. Uh, but 
in the process of doing all that, they're really not able to have the opportunity to engage with the patient. And that is where the patients feel like, oh, this person really doesn't care about me. They don't really want to listen to me. Uh, they just... Uh, they just seem to be going through the motions and in many instances when when uh, and this is something that I do uh, talk about a lot in my work which is patient autonomy and getting them to uh, getting healthcare professionals to really understand respect that uh, people tend to be quite prejudiced and also make a lot of assumptions when patients are trying to advocate for their autonomy and this is where I felt that uh, this leads to a lot of frustration amongst patients and they feel misunderstood, no, uh, not understood, not heard and not empathized with more importantly. And uh, that's where they feel like, oh, I and they, it lo make, makes them lose faith, uh, not just in the professionals, but the healthcare system altogether, which ironically is really there for people to be you know, looked after and, and cared for. Absolutely. So. Uh, and that's where I think the gap really sort of, uh, uh, sort of starts. And also people who generally come from these, uh, you know, people who come and you know, qualify themselves over here, whilst they are able to do the OAT exams and they are able to do extremely well in, you know, and they have, they have good uh, English speaking. The problem is that uh, obviously there's, there's the issue of the accent, you know, that's, 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 what, that's what it is, but that's less of an issue, I think, than really having an understanding of how the patient wants to be communicated with and how the patient wants to be acknowledged, valued and appreciated and respected. And they don't really understand that because all these, uh, you know, ESL competency exams, proficiency exams are quite limited in what they can do. They just help you improve your vocabulary and grammar. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, mm -hmm. but communication is not just that. It's There's a whole lot of different things to it. And uh, just looking at it from that very broad perspective will just give them better tools and strategies on how they can not only communicate, but also connect and build better relationships with their patients and uh, that way, they, they the, the the trust really comes with that, and then uh, and and I put myself in the patient's shoes as well, quite often than not, uh, and uh, I sort of said to my say to myself, okay, if this is what I would like to experience uh, with this sort of, and also that's why I'm very selective about who I go to for my healthcare. So, right, uh, yeah, I feel that like people sense. who really, yeah, people who really listen to me, people who uh, really uh, without they don't sort of assume or judge or anything like that, or uh, mm -hmm. and also they. I also appreciate people who want it to be patient-led, so which is mm -hmm. which uh, again, that's something I really sort of look for, and uh, that also is something that I have uh, coached my clients on. So there's a whole different elements of it, really. Fantastic. What would you say are some of the you know the the, the major communication breakdowns, and you, you've kind of highlighted some of them in terms of you know mm -hmm. perceptions and stereotypes mm -hmm. and even subconscious biases that we might have. Yes, but what are 100%. some of the actual communication breakdowns that are visible that we see that can mm -hmm. affect this relationship, not just between yeah. teacher and student, but like you said, doctor and patient, what are some of those that exist right now? Okay. Well, just to sort of put it out there, it's not, my community, my coaching is not just for doctors. That's the first thing that everyone assumes. Just, I, it's right. for anyone who works with patients. So even right. if, if it's say a nutritionist or a counselor or, or a therapist or anybody but anyway uh one of the things that very interestingly i um put in my video series this week is how uh we as humans really struggle to say sorry or apologizing so that's one thing so people uh one of the things that i feel that uh they don't really want to 
there's the, the lack of accountability and lack of taking responsibility is uh, it can be the one thing and it's not just in healthcare professionals it's just a generational problem and uh, that's that can be one area where uh, people you know the patient might feel that oh you know they know that they, they've made a mistake and they're just not acknowledging it they're not sort of taking responsibility for it and i've mentioned you know uh, why it's important to apologize and how they how they should be apologizing and in situations where they shouldn't be where they, or they shouldn't have to and the other thing also is uh, things like big picture things like, you know, body language, like, you know, how uh, like in different cultures, certain uh, hand gestures, facial expressions, how you sort of uh, the posture and things like that is sort of different in different uh, in different cultures. So what might be acceptable and OK in one culture is, is completely uh, may, may completely be tabooed in something else. Mm -hmm. uh, I look into also the concept of etiquette quite broadly. So uh, etiquette, not just in the professional space, like you know the professional etiquette all healthcare professionals are meant to have, but also the uh, things like you know the, those little subtle cultural nuances that uh, that uh, healthcare professionals need to be aware of, and also equip themselves with in order to get a better understanding of what different patients they, that they're going to have. Uh, the things I also cover is like how to deliver. One of the things that healthcare professionals unfortunately have to face uh, in their just part and parcel of their job is to deliver bad news. And uh, that's something that they never want to do. And that's when they really have to show a lot of empathy and a lot of compassion. Uh, and again, that's something that I felt that not just keeping it factual, but also you know, sh showing that oh no, that uh, they they really do understand the pain and suffering the patient might be going through. Yes. So th that again, that that again is a big one that I felt that it that it should be kind of covered. How, yeah. Uh, how, how would sorry, yeah. How would you? How can you teach empathy as a communication skill? Like, because I understand it's so important, and I'm sure we all recognize we need to be empathetic and understanding. But how do we teach that per mm -hmm. se? It's it is very much an individual case on case by case basis. Like you'd you'd hope that someone who works in healthcare is you would hope that some of them actually have more empathy than the average crowd. Uh, but no, it actually is very much uh, a skill that is you develop and you sort of uh, practice it and you get better at it. Right. So uh, it it really makes uh, you know. I sort of, with my clients, I sort of put them in different scenarios in which uh, not only do they experience, but also they have been in and they might experience in the future. And uh, I sort of go through, with, you know, in this situation, what would you say? How would you, what would you do? How would you present yourself? Uh, what would you avoid doing as well? And then I sort of give my thoughts and I give them the tools on how, well, how to best communicate empathy. So an example for, you know, a big, big example right now is like, uh, say if you're a veterinarian and, uh, you know, routinely animals, you know, when they have, uh, towards the end of life, they have to be euthanized. Uh, and uh, in that situation, a veterinarian uh, might, uh, even if they, have done this every single time, you know. Uh, you know, it's it's hard because veterinarians have, to, or any healthcare professionals have to be fact of the matter, but also be empathetic. So, uh, so unless they have been in that situation before, uh, it's about avoiding saying things like "I know how you feel" because you don't know how you feel unless you've been there. Uh, 
I think more than the veterinarians, because veterinarians do tend to have their own pets. Let's talk about sonographers. So sonographers, for example, uh, like someone, a sonographer who's never experienced pregnancy and probably uh, who's, who can be someone like me who doesn't ever want to have kids, but uh, uh, you know, routinely does pregnancy scans. They have to deliver the news of a late-term miscarriage, for example, that they've, they've, they've seen. So obviously in that uh, in that scenario, it's very inauthentic to say, I know how you feel. Also, I feel sorry for you. So instead of saying that, keeping it quite factual, saying that, you know, we have found something quite unexpected uh, and this has led to this. And you just sort of round it off by saying, I'm very sorry. So right. it, it sort of do that in the very end. So that's yeah. kind of, there is a system that I go through uh, about, you know, what what not to slip in in the very beginning and what to say really in a more systematic manner. It, it does come with practice, but people get there eventually. That's good to know. Yeah, I, th I think those are some really sensitive issues and there's no easy way to say them. But if you have a strategy mm -hmm. or you've practiced some ways of communicating that, then I think that can really help people um, who have to have to do these kind of things. Um, let's yes. move on to talk about active listening, because I think this is mm -hmm. a really crucial undervalued skill, especially as you've mentioned in that patient, um, you know, medical professional dynamic. So mm -hmm. what are some strategies and techniques you can recommend for you know, teachers or even, you know, healthcare professionals to enhance their active listening abilities when working with clients? What would you suggest? So there is a big difference between just listening for, for uh, because you have to and also listening quite actively. So active listening is really, it really is about engaging with the patient or whoever it is that you're speaking to uh, on, a, on a much more close sort of uh, basis. And it's interesting, one of my uh, friends who actually is in the mental health space, and she's a counselor, she made a really, really good post uh, about uh, about as active listening. And that's where I decided to sort of, uh, sort of repost that and sort of, um, you know, give my share my own thoughts on it. So, you know, for example, uh, active listening really means being present with your whoever it is that you're talking to. And not really having any, you know, major distractions and really things like look, looking in the in the eye, which obviously ties in well with uh, body language. Uh, also validating and clarifying what the other person is saying. So not just going, not just, you know, scribbling down notes because, you know, obviously a lot of people have to tend to do that when they're in healthcare. So they're just scribbling down notes uh, and not just, again, nodding their head, but also T telling the patient uh, or whoever they're talking to back, uh, you, know, t t you know, sort of reiterating to them that, oh, so my understanding is that this is what uh, you, this is what you have said, or this is what you have implied, and getting that clarification from them, and mm -hmm. just asking, you know, is, the, is this uh, is this correct? And uh, there's also a big system of do's and don'ts. I have a big video series that I have done about it. And uh, I talk about in that one as well, why active listening is so important, because that's the big complaint that a lot of healthcare professionals really uh, get from their patients that, you know, I just don't feel like they listen. I just don't feel like mm -hmm. they care. And uh, um, yeah, and that, again, it takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of uh, and also I think it involves giving the other person, person space to express themselves without letting our preconceived judgments and misconceptions getting in the way. Because a lot of people, when they're talking, they sort of, or when they're communicating, they listen because they want to just respond, as opposed to really letting the other person express themselves and be vulnerable and uh, um, and seeing seeing all those things. And uh, uh, and also and also letting uh, holding space for the other person to be vulnerable and authentic. 
and also demonstrating to others that you understand where they're coming from, providing them reassurance and sharing your own experiences and, and just make them feel validated and supported. So, yeah. yeah. I think active listening is a really underrated um, skill in, in, in all aspects and all kind of teacher student or, you know, those mm -hmm. kinds of dynamics, because we need to build trust. We need to be empathetic. We need to, you know, give affirmations, even if it's just a yes. Mm -hmm, okay. These mm -hmm. kinds of things, yes. they, they make a really big difference um, for sure. And I, I think that's yeah. a really key thing. I'm glad you address it. You address this as well, you know, with you, with your clients on your program as well. Um, mm -hmm. Let's move on and talk about cross-cultural sensitivity because Again, you know, in places like the UK and Australia and Canada, where I am, very diverse, mm -hmm. um, you know, populations across mm -hmm. all different, you know, walks of life. Um, so mm -hmm. in your experience, Rada, how, how does cross-cultural sensitivity play a role in communication and what advice do you have? Maybe, maybe we can just make it general just for teachers and then we can kind of move it on to um, healthcare yeah. workers. Yeah. So really, uh, any kind of profession you are uh, in, uh, you are in nowadays, there is a very good chance that you're going to be working with, or even you know, your your client base is not just going to be people who look uh, exactly like you or come from the same background as you. So uh, this is where uh, having a broader understanding of what different cultures are like uh, really helps. And obviously, people like me who work in the ESL space, they. It, it's, it is part and parcel of their job because you, you work with students from all over the world. Uh, but also uh, having that exposure to, uh, you know, uh, in a broader sense of what it's, it is like with different cultures and different, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the aspects of different cultures that people tend to work around. So obviously it's impossible to know what it's like in every single culture because it's, there's so many of them and I personally don't know it either. So uh, what I really tie this in with in my work is the concept of etiquette. So uh, because it's not just uh, etiquette in the sense of professionally, you know, uh, as a healthcare professional, you have, to, you have to dress up like this, you have to say this, you have to be professional, quote unquote, because that again, the definition of that has completely changes. Uh, so uh, it, it it is all, all about uh, you know having being aware of you know those subtle cues that you uh, may miss when you are uh, interacting with somebody who's from a different race or a different culture, and uh, you know you might say something and that person may lose the other person may lose face as a result of that, and that might be a source of embarrassment for them. So that uh, may lead to a little bit of a sticky situation and an awkward moment for both um, for sort of both parties. So having more of a baseline understanding of uh, the fact that yes, there are different cultures and there are what can work in what or how people from one culture communicate and relate to others is very different. So from any others. So it uh, it really comes down to uh, practicing again those skills of okay uh, what should I how should I say something that by by all by, that's universally culturally sensitive that at the same time it's honest and, and authentic and straightforward but at the same time it's not likely to offend or upset anyone or make someone feel uh, embarrassed or ashamed or anything like that just because of them coming from one uh, so of one culture so obviously you have cu culture is such a broad thing so you know you, you know to really integrate with a culture you do you can do things like celebrate their festivals and you know get involved in the the art and the music scene or whatever uh, but uh, 
communication in the cultural space is uh, like a completely different realm altogether. So, uh, and that again comes with not just more exposure, but also being very observant and uh, uh, coming up with you know more skills on you know how you know what to say and what not to say. And now a lot of organizations uh, offer cross-cultural training and um, uh, and all of those things anyway. So. Uh, yeah, so it, it is it is very uh, sort of broad, but yeah, having that understanding really helps you connect uh, better and practicing the skills that you learn in that um, uh, in that space really helps you connect better with patients and anyone else that you are working and communicating with. Absolutely, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. The more conversations you have, the more exposure you have, the more experiences you have, the better prepared you will be for those um, you know for those future interactions as well. Um, mm -hmm. I'd just like to know a little bit about kind of, you know, your coaching program, what you do. Um, could you share maybe a success story of someone who you've worked mm -hmm. with and kind of the progress they've made or some improvements that they've made? Yeah. So uh, very early on, uh, I had uh, I was working quite regularly with this lady from uh, Ukraine. Now, she was not in the healthcare space, but she was working in a service based role a lot. And I sort of uh, helped her identify the gaps as to where she is, her communication can really improve. So that's really the first thing that you do. So even though your client might come and say to you that, uh, oh, I'm having problems with my English. Okay, that's that's a that's a given. But let's it's very sort of general. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dig, dig a little deeper and say, okay, let's and and often they don't know it straight away. So uh, so this is where I work with them in identifying where what the root of the problem is. And I also have with her, I had to really go into her childhood, you know, that really um, so, sort of gave her, you know, sort of imprinted in her that I should be saying this or I should not be saying this. Or she, the, you know, in, to cut a long story short, in very simple terms, she really struggled with being assertive and she really struggled with standing up for herself and setting boundaries. So she felt like she was being walked all over, not just in her work, but uh, even in her living situation and all that. So what I really had to focus on with her is how to communicate uh, assertively, uh, respectfully, but also not in, a, in an aggressive manner, because she was very, very scared of confrontation. So uh, what I, again, what I said to her was, uh, okay, so let's let's look at different scenarios where you feel uh, you are being confronted or you are feel you feel like you're being threatened. So, uh, so we looked at them one at a time. We did this on a weekly basis, and uh, I sort of put myself in the other person's shoes, who was uh, sort of like a little role play that we did in every scenario. And uh, you know, and I, I went through things like, okay, how is this going to? How has this made you feel? Uh, the the interaction. What do you think you, that you should you could have said? Um, and what stopped you from doing that? And uh, what? Uh, and then sort of practice with me. What you the next scenario? What what it is that you would you had in your mind that you would say if you could and uh, getting her to reflect on what actually stopped her from doing saying what she did or doing what she did uh, and again so this uh, and also sh some of the things that she learned in the sessions with me she applied them when she was at work or when she was with her um, in her social situation and uh, I could see that, you know, with time, that it's not just her English that was improving because that's the other fear that she has. Like, oh, if I say if I say what's on my mind, I'm going to mess the mm -hmm. English up. So right. uh, I said to her, well, it doesn't matter. You, it's more important that you say what's on your mind, you know. Uh, even if you mess the English up, people, we, we can understand why it is the way it is. Right. Uh, 
but sh- slowly but surely she made progress i wouldn't say that she's achieved the pinnacle of success there but uh, she made re- real progress in i think advocating mm-hmm. for herself and standing mm-hmm. up for herself and setting those boundaries and uh, mm-hmm. yeah there was there was uh, quite a lot of progress that i saw in her with the school tools and strategies that she's tried to i make. think that's important it doesn't even have to be the finished article just as long mm-hmm. as there's progress that you can see and they can see that's the most important thing right and mm-hmm. as long as it's yes. tangible and you can measure it you can go back and say well look at where you were a month ago or two months ago to where you are now yes. and you can, you can measure that progress. I think that's really important. 100%, sure. yeah. um, mm-hmm. So Shweta, tell me, what do you feel are the missing pieces in communication and what can be done to address these in the future? I mean, we can look specifically at your role in the ESL field, but maybe mm-hmm. more generally, what are the main things that you feel these are missing and we need to address them? Yeah. So obviously, uh, most of the healthcare professionals they do speak a decent level of english and uh, and they get really hung up on things like and i'm sure that you are working being in the esl space just like me you've experienced that they get conscious about things like grammar pronunciation vocabulary this and that and uh, with and they completely forget the fact that uh, there's a lot more to it and that people tend to be and also they they stress about their accent so you know that uh, that this all is conditioning that comes from how they were exposed to english and also how the how you know all these competency exams sort of uh, they don't really focus on the on the broader picture so uh that's one thing so really focusing on the you know focusing too much on that rather and the fact that also because healthcare professionals are in a high pressure high stress very demanding role uh they are feeling that they having to sort of they having to put a lot of hats in during um during the you know the, their consultations or anything like that so uh they're sort of like in a mad rush and i think uh because you know be, being completely honest i've uh, i do uh, like when i work with my therapist uh that's why she really stresses on let's do telehealth uh mm-hmm. instead of or like uh you know like online conferences like this because she can then go back and make notes because uh, in in person sessions she has she has to do that frantically take notes and again because now telehealth is becoming so popular uh things like again how uh, how do you speak you know the tone of your voice you know how fast or slow do you speak uh how often do you uh, repeat or clarify information Yeah. Uh, and if and when you're uh, also just like us when we're talking like this virtually uh what kind of body language should be there and just a simple thing like you know having a quiet environment to sort of speak from uh, so yes. that's one thing and also um like when you and another big one is again people really in in an in person session Uh, people really uh healthcare professionals really build having empathy you know not not just uh, uh just showing that they have empathy but genuinely having um, real empathy for their patients and again active listening body language uh, uh things like not really being uh, not really pushing having their own unconscious biases like i mentioned before because that really really comes into play in a lot of spaces in healthcare uh particularly uh, in areas such as uh, female reproductive health is huge where biases are really really massive and that's something that i do talk about quite often and uh, really having a, a good understanding of patient autonomy the fact that uh yeah you are there to really as a healthcare professional facilitate and support them not uh sort of impose your perspective or ideas or agenda or on somebody yes you give you share your experiences and sh- you share what's worked best you can make recommendations uh but you do it without uh without any judgment or any preconceived notion that there's a lot of work that needs to be done mm-hmm. uh in that space and uh also just uh 
not just not making everything about you uh, also the fact that you know you are you're, you're really taking care of uh, a group of people who are one of the some of the most vulnerable members of the society of the of the community so uh, yeah just putting things you know seeing things from their perspective and uh, and again going back to that you have to not only be empathetic but also be quite fact of the matter so and uh not really you know you have to have a good professional relationship but also some people i think they tend to get very attached uh to their patients especially i think if you're a veterinarian especially like you know you will feel very attached to your clients who are the animals and uh, uh again i'm sure that people who who are in that space they they see you know sick animals you know dead you know animals dying all the time i'm sure it takes a toll on them uh but in that situation really learning to be professional and stable and uh, really giving uh, the owners or the clients the, the support that they really need um is what's really missing and i think a lot of yeah. work could be done in that space for sure um tell me then shwana how can our listeners connect with you how can they find out more about what you do the programs you offer where can we find uh, find where you are and and learn about your programs and offerings Sure. So uh there's obviously my website which is healthydynamics.com uh, just go and have a look over there. It's actually the healthy dynamics and then uh, I'm most active actually on LinkedIn and YouTube. So I've got a LinkedIn profile and uh, uh I do uh YouTube videos every week where I look at different facets and different aspects of communication in the healthcare space. So like I said this week's video is about uh how to effectively apologize i've done things like also how to effectively interrupt and uh uh things like now in the next uh, some of the next upcoming videos i'll be talking about things like uh how to be transparent and honest with your patients so uh it's just you know the, my videos are about say 10 to 12 minutes so it just covers one aspect uh, of it and then um, on the website or even on linkedin you can book in for a discovery call Uh, or there's a, a freebie opt-in as well which sort of uh, like a little quiz that uh, people can do to discover what their communication style is and then how they can sort of improve that so yeah a lot of different places where you can but yeah linkedin and youtube are the best places to find me perfect that's great thank you what i'll do as well is i will drop all of that information in the description so if our listeners Sounds just good. check under the description they'll be able to connect mm-hmm. with shredder and find out more about what she does all right um that was a really enlightening discussion thank you for all the detail and depth and actual you know the how comprehensive you are i think it's really useful and valuable um for our listeners so thank you for joining us today shwada and thank you for having me it's been a real privilege and honor thank you all right what a really interesting informative and valuable interview with shwada thank you for joining us again to talk about um your field and what you do and again it's not just one field it's so many different things and so many different ways that she helps her learners um and her clients as well um do feel free to connect with shwada you can follow the links underneath the description of this episode and as always don't forget to tune in next week for another brand new episode of ESL talk or go to the website esl-talk.com if you'd like to be a guest and you can also catch up on all our previous episodes for free that is it for this week we'll see you very soon bye bye Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for even more ESL teaching content.